Hello, thanks for tuning in to the West Side Podcast. This is where we're going to be posting some of the audio from our gatherings on Sundays, and we're hoping to develop some other content that we're excited to share with you in the future. West Side's vision is to reconcile people to God through the grace of Jesus, step by step. And we really hope that this podcast helps you do just that. We hope it helps you get closer to Jesus. We hope that you would be reconciled to God and not only that, be reconciled to the relationships around you and to the city that you live in, wherever that happens to be. Again, thanks for tuning in and enjoy. Um, Okay, we are finishing the sermon series called When in Doubt, and it's been a fun sermon series because we've just been uh, looking through this topic of what does it look like to just wrestle with our doubts? And I apologize because even if you're new tonight, you're kind of coming in at the end of the movie. Have you ever come in at the end of the movie and you don't know know the context of what's going on? And so you can always just rewatch all the different sermons that we've had on this, and we've covered lots and lots of ground, but there's lots of ground that we didn't cover. We could turn this into a 20-week sermon series. And so what I did was I brought uh, some of my favorite books on the topic of doubt, on the topic of big questions about Christianity, because we didn't cover a lot of different things. And so this isn't an exhaustive list. These are just the ones that I kind of perused in my bookshelf before I came here today and said, hey, these have been really helpful for me, and maybe it'll be helpful for you. And I encourage you, if you were wrestling with doubt or you can know somebody that is, a lot of times, sometimes I say, hey, tell me about your, you know, what you're wrestling with. And they're like, oh, I'm wrestling with this. And and then I ask, what have, you, what have you researched or read on the topic? And they say, well, I read a, like half a blog once and, like, and now I'm a skeptic, you know? And it's uh, maybe more than half a blog is more appropriate with some of these like big, big questions. So, uh, so there's some really great books. So I, I'm just leaving these here after service. I'll try to remind you, but just come on up and like snap some pictures. Maybe some look interesting and helpful because I want to help launch you on a journey of, of reading and discovery and just trying to figure out, um, working through some of your questions and doubts when it comes to following Jesus. So, um, hey, just to recap, we have used this metaphor of a road trip for this sermon series and that doubt, doubt, it's okay for doubt to be kind of a, a pit stop along the way, but it's not good for doubt to become the destination. Doubt, doubt is an important part of everybody's faith. Every, every single one of us at, at every point and even the pastor. I mean, we've got big questions and we're wrestling through it. And, uh, and that's okay, that's the process of faith. But, but we live right now in this cultural moment where doubting and being cynical of truth claims and, and what, what, what's called deconstructing your faith has become very wildly popular. It's almost become the cool Christian thing to do to kind of like look back at your Christian past perhaps and say, oh, I don't know about this and I don't know about this. Probably none of it's true. I'm deconstructing. And so it's become this kind of real popular thing. In fact, you turn on your app or your news and you'll see maybe week after week another sort of famous Christian celebrity or, you know, or, or musician that's, that's coming out and saying, oh, I don't really know if I believe any of that anymore. And uh, people are, they're getting applauded for like thinking through those things. And here's just what I want to say is I just want to say that, hey, remember, there are some things that we have been taught about Christianity. There's been some ways that the Bible has been used and abused, perhaps. There are some things that maybe like regarding your childhood, growing up, kind of in whatever context that you were in, there are some things that need to be deconstructed. 
There are some things that you were taught that are not true. There are some aspects of perhaps about your faith that need to be deconstructed. They do. That's not necessarily a bad process. What's bad is when you just perpetually stay in that place of deconstruction and never work to reconstruct a faith that's, that's solid and built on Christ and Christ alone. And so hopefully this sermon series has just kind of like helped us dive in and just kind of wrestle with what things need to be deconstructed, what things need to be reconstructed up on the cornerstone that is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior and his death and his resurrection. Um, we've, we've talked about all sorts of different things, so I can't go into it. But today I'm wrapping it up and I'm excited about this one because this is just one of those truths that when I came across it, when I was a young person, it was so helpful for me. And I feel like I'm, I'm not alone in this. I feel like that, that we're a lot, we're really similar. We're in this place where here's what we tend to believe. Here's what I believed when I was younger. And here's perhaps what you came in here tonight, perhaps believing is that in order for you to be able to put your faith in something, you have to be able to completely understand it before you can put your faith in it. In other words, I've got 20 questions, and until I get those 20 questions answered, I can't put my trust and faith in it. I've got to get all 20 questions answered before I can actually step and, and trust that particular thing. A lot of us have believed that. And so we, we go about trying to answer those questions, but here's the problem. And this is really with everything in life. The problem is when you start asking those questions, and they're probably really good questions, it just starts new questions and spawns new questions. And suddenly now you don't have 20. Now maybe you got nine answered, but you've got 20 more now. And it becomes this process where you're forever chasing the carrot, trying to get all your questions answered. And guess what? You'll never be there. You'll never get there because there's always going to be unanswered questions. And so here's this incredible truth that I don't have to understand everything to believe in something. That I don't have to have all of my questions answered in order for me to put my faith in someone. Because even though, even though there are some things that are, that are unexplainable to me, even though there are some things that are just unexplainable, I don't have any explanations for them, there are some things that are undeniable. And what I tend to do, and what you tend to do, and this is usually when we, like, we start to really wrestle with our doubt, is when we focus our attention on all the things that are unexplainable and, and stop looking at the things that are undeniably true. And when we focus on the things that are unexplainable to us, what you'll discover is that your, your faith will just start to nosedive. It just starts to go down. But when we look at the things that are undeniably true, acknowledging that there are some things that are unexplainable, when I focus on the undeniable, our faith can soar, even in the midst of unanswered questions and pesky doubts. I want to take you to this passage of scripture, and it's one of my favorites. It's from John chapter 9, uh, a famous passage of scripture. And the context is Jesus is walking around with his disciples. At this point, he's been teaching and he's healing people. And people are, people are like, whoa, who is this guy? And some people are, are thinking, this is the Messiah. This is this promised Savior that's, that, that is, is supposed to come, and he's going to kick out the Romans. 
and do all these things. They had all these visions about what Jesus was going to do, but Jesus starts doing all sorts of other stuff that Jesus, that a Messiah isn't supposed to do. And he's, 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 making, the, he's making them scratch their heads left and right, and he's calling these disciples, and he always has to help them untangle some knots. And so Jesus is walking by this guy one day, and it's a guy that's been born blind. Um, he hasn't, he's never seen in his life. He's born blind. And this conversation ensues with Jesus and his disciples. And you can read about it on your own in John chapter nine, because they've got some misconceptions about why he's born blind. They want to know, like, did he sin? Did his parents sin? Like, why is he born blind? Because they kind of had like this kind of strange conception of karma. You know, like if something, if you're sick, it's probably because of some sin in your life or a sin in your, in your parents' life. And Jesus kind of had to untangle that knot for them and help them think clearly. But then here's what he does. We're going to start in uh, we're going to start in in uh, chapter or sorry in John nine starting in verse six. Okay, so he he's untangling this for them, and here's what he says. Having said this, he does this. He spit on the ground. Jesus is so weird. <laughs> he's so strange. He never does anything like the, the. He never does the same thing twice. He's always doing something different. He's keeping us on our toes. He spit in the ground and he made some mud with the saliva. And he put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told them, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. All right, the, the story's progressing. I mean, Jesus says, remember, this guy hasn't seen Jesus. He's just heard him. And Jesus says, here's what I want you to do. He spits in the ground. I mean, just imagine, you know, like close your eyes for a second. Just close your eyes. Just, just would you just bear with me for a second? You know, just go here with me, all right? Um, close your eyes for a second, all right? You know that Jesus is standing there. You're hoping he heals you, he heals you and this is what you hear. <laughs> You're like, what? And then you, and then you start, and then you feel like this wet stuff. Okay, you can open your eyes. All right, just thanks for going there with me. It's so strange. And he says, I want you to go wash. And so the guy, probably with some help, with some, maybe somebody helped him, or I don't know, he he gets there and he washes, and now he can see. For the very first time, imagine this. And so he makes a beeline for home. He's going home because, you know, he, he, this is exciting news to share. Verse 8, his neighbors, his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? And some claimed that he was, but others said, no, 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 he, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am him. I'm the man. So he's been begging his whole life. Now he can see, and now an argument ensues. It's him. No, it's not. It's him. No, it's not. It's me. It can't be you. It's me. I swear. No way. I mean, they're like, they can't believe it because, they, because something unexplainable has happened. A man, I mean, this doesn't happen. It's unexplainable. How did this happen? It can't be true. I know it's undeniable, but it's, but it's unexplainable. They, they just can't explain how a blind man can see. So an argument ensues. Verse 10. How then, because we want some information because we can't explain this. How then were your eyes opened? They demanded. And you know what I think he's thinking at this point? Because everybody wants to know how, 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 how did this happen? You know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking he's thinking, who cares how it happened? I, I can see, like I, I was figuring somebody would just put on some, some music, maybe get me a drink with one of those little umbrellas in it, pull out a pinata at some point. I mean, I figure like people should be excited for me. I figured there'd be a party. Why are you asking why, 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 how, how, how? Look, it happened. I can see. Let's celebrate. 
If so, apparently, you know, he's like, he's been living at home this whole time, you know, and so he's like, he's thinking, man, this is great news, you know? But they're so confused. Verse 11, he replied, the man they called Jesus, here's how it happened, guys. Here's all, here's all I know. The man they called Jesus made some mud and they put it on my eyes. And then he told me to go to Salome and wash. So I went and wash. And then I can see, isn't that great? I mean, hey, let's party. You know, isn't this awesome? And they say, where is this man? They ask him, where is he? I mean, sure. I mean, it's like, this is just so unexplainable. We have to get answers. And, you, you know, the guy must have been like, who cares where he is? I mean, come on, somebody, let's celebrate, let's party. And all they have are all these questions. And so here's how he responds. And I love it. And this is a theme in this whole passage. He says, what is the, what is the man that can now see say? He says, listen, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how the molecules interacted with the peptides and the mitochondria and the, you know, like, I don't understand. I mean, I learned all that stuff in middle school. The mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. You know, like I learned all that, but I don't know. I don't know how, how it happened. I have, I have no clue. I don't know. All I know, all I know is that I can see. We just need to pause here just for a second because this just bears talking about just for a moment. It's sometimes the best answer when somebody comes to you when they've got these big doubts. And I know this has happened to, to, to many of us. Somebody's got big questions. And uh, they come to you and they, they got some big questions and they ask you. Here's perhaps one of the worst things that you can do is pretend that you know the answer when you don't know the answer. Because people can smell that coming from a mile away. And sometimes what does more damage is Christians, you know, pretending like they know more than they, than they don't. Or pretending like that they've, they've got all the answers and, you know, you poor soul, you know, you don't have the answers and you need somebody like me to help you. You know, we don't, we don't want to come off like that at all to anybody. Because as a pastor, I've been following Jesus for a long time. I've, I've, I've tried to just enter into the scriptures and know stuff and learn stuff. But you know what? People ask me questions all the time. And you know what my response really needs? to be a lot of the time sometimes is, I don't know. That's a, that's a really good question. And so here's just, here's the line I want to feed you so that for the next time somebody asks you a question, maybe about God or why does God do this? Or how come Christians believe this or whatever it is, maybe you have a good answer. If you've got a great answer, then share it. That's awesome. Share it with some humility, right? But share it. But if you don't know the answer, here's just a line I want to feed you. And you can just use this because this is what I say all the time. I encourage you to do this. Here's what it is, all right? Just put it up on the screen. Here's when somebody asks you a hard question, you don't know the answer, you say this. You say, that's a great question. I don't know. So let's look for some answers together. Huh? Will you say that with me? Can we say it together? All right, just so we're for practice. Ready, go. That's a great question. I don't know. So let's look for some answers together. This has been one of the greatest things in pastoral ministry for me because some people have asked me some really hard questions that I don't know. And I just haven't read the scripture in that area enough. So you know what I say? I say, dang, that's a really good question. How about this? How about you go and do some research? I'll go do some research. Let's meet next week and let's talk about it. Let's unravel it together. There's probably some really great answers there. I just think that's a much better way to help walk people through their doubts and their questions. And I love that this guy, he doesn't got the answer. He just says, I don't know. We're going to continue with the story. Verse 13, they brought to the Pharisees 
uh-oh. This is the part of the story where the, the, the death march music from Star Wars comes in. Dun, 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 dun. You know, this is where the Pharisees enter in and they're kind of like the religious people and they're, you know, they don't think Jesus is the Messiah and they're always trying to, you know, trying to get Jesus sidetracked. And so they, they figure they're gonna take, it, take this question of is this the guy to the Pharisees? Cause it's unexplainable. They, and they got answers, they'll know. So they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been born blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath day. Oh, Jesus. You should have known better, Jesus, to do a miracle on a Sabbath day. Like, no, I mean, Jesus, apparently, you know, like they're going to, they're mad because he does this, he does like work on the Sabbath and you're not supposed to do work. And so they're going to try to trip him up. And, um, and verse 15, therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. So they're talking to this guy who can now see. And they're saying, they're asking him, they say, how did this happen? And here's what he says. He says, okay, for the fifth time. He put mud on my eyes and I washed and now I see. Will somebody please just get me a pinata? <laughs> somebody, come on. I mean, just come on, I'm waiting for the pinata here. Some of the Pharisees, verse 16, said this. They said, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. So, oh, they're like, oh, this Jesus guy, this, he, he can't be the Messiah because he just healed this guy on the Sabbath. You know essentially what they're saying? They're saying, you know what? We're pretty smart and we've got God in a box. We know what God would do, could do, shouldn't do, can do. And so what has just happened is an out of the box experience for us. And so because we can't explain it, we can't believe it. Because we, we've got God so figured out that a good God wouldn't do this. And, you know, and we, we know what God should do and, and can do. And, so, and because he's doing something that we can't explain, therefore we can't believe it. Case closed. This man, Jesus, is not from God. Isn't this where we live sometimes with our doubts? Because we think, man, if I can't explain it, then I can't put my trust in it. I can't believe it because everything's got to be explained to me. And what that does and what these Pharisees are doing is like they're putting themselves in this place of God. It's like they know more than God does. And so because God's doing things that they wouldn't do themselves, then they, they count them out. I can't believe it unless it's explained to me. See, we think that that's a little bit arrogant when we read that. And yet at the same time, that's what we do. We do that all the time when God does things outside of the box. My belief oftentimes in my life is based on like these things that I'm focused on that are unexplainable instead of focusing on the things that are undeniably true. Verse 17 goes on, it gets better. Finally, they turned again to the blind man and they said, what have you to say about him? It was your, it was your eyes that he opened. And the man replied, he's a prophet? I mean, I don't know. There, maybe there should be an exclamation point on there. I kind of feel like there should be a question mark right there, you know, because I'm just trying to listen to his voice. It's like, he's never even seen this guy. He's heard about Jesus. I mean, this guy's probably thinking like, man, I haven't even seen the guy, but I mean, he's, he's got to be a prophet. I mean, like nobody, nobody can do this. Nobody, nobody's heard of a guy opening the eyes of a man born blind. And so he's like, right, I mean, I, I can't explain all of it, but I just can't deny the fact that I can see. Verse 18, the Jews still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. 
So they're getting the parents involved now. Mom, pa, come over here because we've got questions. Is this your son, they asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? And you know what his parents say? They say, we know he is our son, the parents answered. And we know that he was born blind. But how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. It is unexplainable. It is undeniable, but it is unexplainable to us. We don't know. And do you know what else I think that they were probably thinking? They're probably thinking, we don't know how it happened, and we don't care how it happened. Now he can move out of the house, get a job, get a girlfriend, you know, like, man, who cares how it happened? The fact is, is our son who was born blind, who's never even laid, who's never seen what we look like before. Today, he saw us for the first time. He can see. That's all we know. Sure, it's unexplainable, but, but it is un. Undeniable. Can we please focus on the part that is undeniable, they would say. And so here's how they respond. They say, verse 21, ask him, they say to the Pharisees. They ask him, he's of age, he'll speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he's of age, ask him. So there, there, there's some politics going on. There's some jockeying, like they're afraid of like, ah, a second time, a second time they summoned the man who had been blind. And this time they start dogging him. This time they they just start poking him. They say, give glory to God. They said, we know this man, Jesus is a sinner. We know what we know that that the real Messiah wouldn't heal on the Sabbath. We know Jesus must be a sinner. And then verse 25 is a very famous verse. We sing a very famous song based on this verse right here. Verse 25, he says this, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. There's a lot I don't know. There's a lot I can't explain, but the one thing that is undeniable, the one thing that has happened that that is, sure, I can't explain it, but it's undeniable. I was blind and now I can see. Verse 26, then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? We want answers. We can't, we can't put our faith and trust in it. Sure, it's unex- undeniable, but it's unexplainable. And so we need to know how it happened. Who, how did he do it? How did it happen? They need answers. They need answers. They need answers. Otherwise, they can't believe. And I love how he answers um, because they just keep poking him and poking him. And so he answers, verse 27. He says, I've told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Oh, you seem so interested. Maybe you want to become his disciple too. I mean, you seem to like, you know, really be into this. Jesus guy is taking up a lot of our conversation today. Um, You know, maybe you want him to be your God too. And that was the wrong thing to say. They're like, no, you didn't. You know, like they're like, you did not say that. And so here's what they come. They come after him hard. They say this. Then they hurled insults at him. This is verse 28. They hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow, this Jesus' disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. 
We've got God in a box. We know what God does and doesn't do. And because this is an out of a box experience, we just, we refuse to believe it. We know that God spoke to Moses, but, for, but as for this fellow Jesus, we don't even know where he comes from. And this man who was previously blind says, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. And nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And to this, they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. No music, no drinks with a little umbrella, certainly no pinata, nothing. It is unexplainable. Therefore, we are not gonna even look at what's undeniably true because we're just gonna focus on everything that's unexplainable until it's fully explained to us. We can't believe it. This is how the story ends. Verse 20, or sorry, verse 35. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And, when they found, and, when, and so he went and found him. And he says, do you believe in the son of man? He's talking about himself. Do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus says to him, you have now seen him. What a powerful word for that man. Maybe, maybe this guy has recognized Jesus' voice by now. We don't know. But Jesus is in a face-to-face conversation with him. Now he sees Jesus for the first time. And Jesus says, he says, do you believe in the Son of Man? And this, this man that was born blind says, who is he, sir? Because I want to understand how the molecules interacted with the peptides and the mitochondria. And I really am interested in why you chose the mud and why didn't you snap the fingers? And how come? And, and why, why? And how, 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 how? None of that. None of that. Are there still, are there still unexplainable? Are there still some things that are unexplainable about this? Yes. Oh, yes, there are. He's got plenty of questions. But in this moment, he chooses to focus on what's undeniably true. And Jesus says, this, this, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he says, yes, I do. And then Jesus says, you have now seen him because he is the one speaking with you. And then the man said, Lord, I believe. I believe. And he worshiped him. Um, sometimes people ask, you know, Brooks, do you have doubts? Do you ever have uncertainties? And my answer is absolutely. Absolutely. I've got questions. I've got doubts. But here's what I've discovered. And here's what I know about me. And here's what I know about most of us too. Is, is we tend to doubt when we focus in on all the pieces that are missing. Have you noticed this about your life? We tend to doubt when we focus in on all the different pieces that are missing. Because what I tend to do in my life sometimes or what you tend to do with your faith is you've got some questions about God and you're like, God, how come you do this? And I don't understand. And I've got this doubt right here. And ah, there's another one. Oh my gosh, what about this? Oh my Lord. And like, there's no, oh, I'm just not getting in my questions answered. And oh, there's a third one. Oh no. And I'm focused on all the different things that I can't understand and can't explain. And here's 
the point of the illustration is you can't tell what this is a picture of from a half an inch away. You, can't, you don't know what it's, a, what it's a picture of when you're just focused in on all the pieces that are missing. But from where you sit, you don't even need the missing pieces, do you? Because you know exactly what it is. Are there still missing pieces? Absolutely. But from where you're sitting, you don't need to focus on the things that are unexplainable. All of what you get to do is you get to focus on what's undeniably true because you know what this is. And are there still missing pieces? Sure, sure. We should ask those questions. We should go there. But as you'll discover that as you walk with Jesus, you're going to have questions. And so as you investigate these areas, slowly the, some pieces start coming together. You have conversations. You're, you're reading with other people. Suddenly these things are coming together. But then more pieces start to emerge. And so you investigate those. But here's how you make your faith soar, even in the midst of missing pieces, is you don't focus on, laser focus on the pieces that you're missing. You focus on the part that is undeniably true. And if you can do that, your faith will soar. Do you know what's undeniable to me? You know what's undeniable? What's undeniable to me is that we're here talking about Jesus 2,000 years later. And there is absolutely no reason why people all over the globe today we're praising the name of Jesus. This no-name person from the, middle, from, from the Middle East somewhere, nobody should have ever known Jesus' name if he was just a guy that had a good message. If Jesus came with the golden rule, so what? Other people have come with the golden rule. We would have never known who Jesus was. The, what's undeniable to me is that, is that you go to any country on the planet and you will find people speaking in, in any number of languages and they will tell you the same story, that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and he rose again on the third day and he has given me new life and a fresh start and grace upon grace upon grace. You will hear that story everywhere you go and that is not a mistake because the reason why that story is that story everywhere you go is because something happened that literally turned Jerusalem upside down. Jesus came out of that tomb three, three days later and it absolutely changed everything. Do you know what's undeniable to me? You could go to Israel right now and there's no, there's no tomb to visit. You know when a famous person dies, you, uh, you can always go find their tomb. When I was in Europe, I went and found John Calvin's grave. It was kind of fun. Oh, John Calvin, that's his grave. If you go to, to uh, Seattle right now, you can find Bruce Lee's grave. It's there. You can go find it. Any famous person that dies, you automatically know where their grave is. Where's Jesus' grave? Nobody knows. If Jesus died and was in the tomb, that would be the most popular place on planet Earth. Or actually, if Jesus didn't rose from the tomb, then it wouldn't be a popular place at all because nobody would even care. But the reason why we're still talking about Jesus and there's no tomb is because he walked out of the tomb. Who cares where the tomb is? Nobody cared. He's alive. You know what's undeniable to me? Is that there's a thirst that human beings have deep in our soul that the things of this world cannot quench. You've tried. You've tried every number of things and it can't do it. It won't quench it. 
There's something beyond what this world can offer us. You know what's undeniable to me is that Christianity stands out from literally every other world religion. Every other world religion has some sort of performance-based way to prove that you're good enough to go to heaven, and Christianity has the exact opposite message. And it's the message that you and I need most. You can't earn it. You can't work hard enough. I can't earn it. I can't work hard enough. I can't do enough good things to make it. Christianity comes in and says, you're right, you can't. Jesus died on the cross, paid for your sin, and now he gives you new life. And now he gives you a new heart. That's not based on your performance, it's based on his grace. Friends, that is the only thing that can change a human heart, is that kind of grace. And that's what Christianity has to offer. Has to offer. No other world religion will offer that to you, I promise. You know what's undeniable to me is that we could just take turns having loads of you just come on up here and I could give you a microphone and we would hear crazy, amazing stories of how you were lost in your righteousness because you thought you could earn it or you were lost in your rebelliousness because you were trying to get away from God and just do your own thing. And we could just tell our stories about how wherever God found you, he reached out with this deep, deep grace and reached into your heart. You surrendered your life to him and he, was, and he filled you with his spirit and now you are completely completely different person. That is undeniable to me. And so as we just close this sermon series and you know, just talking about death, there's all sorts of questions, but I challenge you, I challenge you that instead of just focusing on our doubts, which will just lead you into deeper deconstruction and just lead you into a deeper place where you just end up living there and constantly being cynical about truth claims, or you could take a step back and look at the things that are undeniably True, And if you can do that, then your faith will soar. I'll pray. Lord, um, we just ask that, uh, you know, maybe, maybe even we're here tonight and, and I don't know, I guess, I guess, Lord, maybe there'd be some people here tonight that they would say, um, well, pastor, that sounds great, but I, I don't have just like three pieces missing. I have, I have 12 pieces missing. I, just, I don't even know what the picture is yet. And Lord, I, I just pray that wherever we're at, whether we've got a couple pieces missing that are just, just dragging our faith down, we just feel like we can't trust you unless we get those puzzle pieces there. Or maybe, or maybe there's just people in the room and there's just so many pieces missing and just who knows where to start? Where do I go from here? Where, how, how does this begin? Um, Lord, I, I pray that wherever we're at, Lord, that as we just humbly, as we just humbly just acknowledge, Lord, that you are the one that offers life. No, nothing else is gonna offer life to us. Nothing else is gonna give it to us. That if we just acknowledge, Lord, that even though I have some unanswered questions, what's undeniable is that I wanna give you my heart. I wanna trust you with my life, even in the midst of my unanswered questions. Lord, I pray that as we have the courage to do that, that you would just fill us with your life, that you would fill us with your spirit, Lord, that you help us take whatever next steps we need to take and just our surrender to you as we give our lives to you. But also, Lord, you would begin to start putting, filling in the pieces. You would start filling in all the missing pieces so that we could just gain more and more confidence in who you are and what you've done for us. So, um, Lord, wherever we're at in this room, whatever, whatever place that we're at, few doubts, lots of doubts, Lord, 
in these just next last few moments, Lord, I just pray that you would hear our prayer. You would just reach down into the deep parts of our lives and our soul, Lord, and as we give our lives to you, Lord, that you would make your presence known so that we could walk away saying, I know it's undeniably true. I was blind, but now I can see. Help us do that tonight. We surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen.